they said, why would we care to run the ball? We'll run here and there just to keep you a little bit more honest, but we're going to pass all over you today, and it's going to work, and we're going to beat you that way. That's what's happening. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for Monday, September 25th. I'm your host, Easton Fries, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network, and you can follow me on social media at Easton Fries. I'm joined, as always, by producer JT, who you can follow on social media at JT underscore Runky. JT, how are you? I'm good. We had a... It was one of the most slates of NFL football I've ever seen in my entire life today of all of the slates that it was sh- it one sure of them. was one of them yeah. um some ugly games some good games some more ugly games and somebody scored 70 points yeah, yeah you know but mike the fbi needs to raid mike mcdaniel's house for crimes against humanity i mean that's that i know that they're dealing with stuff in chicago right now that's miami should be the next come on mike those people have families um but, but by the time he got to 70 to then not go all the way and get the scoring record i what what are we doing? Okay, I, I don't know. That, that that's that's one of my questions that I have, as well as is this Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift Swiss Swift thing just a a um, a front? You know, like a PR is, it just, stunt? is it a PR stunt? <laughs> Maybe I don't I, know. I mean, I, I, in in this, this week's investigative journal, I will. Yeah, we'll we'll get to those things um, at at a later date. Unfortunately, we have to talk today about the Titans. They played. They oh. well. They well. were. They were a part of a game, mm-hmm. um, in which they technically showed up, but they lost twenty-seven to three in in Cleveland, rather to the Browns. And we're here to talk all about what was a complete and utter failure to launch today for the Titans. They drop to one and two on the season, and this was easily their worst outing so far. We're going to break it down from as many different angles as we possibly can. If you're watching with us live, appreciate you. Help us out by liking this post or um, liking the the YouTube video, hitting that retweet button, whatever you can do to help us get as many eyeballs on the show as possible would be considered a personal favor. And while you're at it, if you're watching on Twitter or on Facebook, head on over to the YouTube page, Broadway Sports Media on YouTube. You'll find the live stream there, and that's where you can be a part of the conversation in the comments like Kenneth and Joey already are. Appreciate you guys being with us today. I, I typically have for our game recap episodes, our Sunday evening episodes, um, a lot to go based off of the article that I wrote that that day in Winners and Losers. Uh, I, I did not write that article today. I've, I've been a little bit under the weather today, so I'm doing my best to pretend that I am feeling good and having a good time right now on today's show. But we power through nonetheless. And so I just I could I was not feeling up to writing that today. And also. How does one write a winners and losers article when you only have losers? I mean, that it would have been a really difficult article to write considering, okay, a winner like Nick Folk, he he kicked a field goal, which was good. Uh, Chris Moore caught another really impressive downfield pass. That was good. Um, is there any other player you can single out who had a good day? Uh, Malik Willis didn't throw an interception or anything <laughs> hey, so, how mean, about how about mason kinsey not muffing any punts there we go Good on there him go. um yeah as joey says in the comments there were no winners in this game on the titans i could have just written an entire could have just gone full cleveland media and written about how great the browns looked in the winners portion and then about how terrible the titans looked in the losers portion that would have been easier 
but yeah, we, we're going to talk about today's game from a different different standpoint than we typically do on on Sundays. Not a winners and losers format, just a what went wrong format where we go position by position and don't really have it's, it's going to be a difficult show to do in the sense that it's going to be hard to go topic by topic and not just say they were really bad. I don't know what to tell you. Like we're going to have to find creative ways to explain how bad these these different units were. Um, and, and we would love this can be a therapy session for you Titans fans in the comment section. We'd love to hear your input, any questions or comments you may have on the game. Um, we, we would love to, to have a conversation with you today before we dive into it all. Got to shout out our fantastic title sponsor here on the hot read podcast, boom, boss tap house and craft pizza. They have three middle Tennessee locations, our location in spring Hill, Tennessee, just a short drive down the interstate. If you're from the Nashville area, they also have a location in East Nashville and in Murfreesboro, as well as in Indiana and Kentucky. They are fantastic at what they do. And what they do is make delicious, delicious pizza. You got to check out um, the, the the different options they have there. Pizzas, I, I guarantee you've never had the likes of before. They are four-time winners at the Las Vegas International Pizza Expo for best vegetarian pizza, best gourmet pizza, best international pizza, best non-traditional pizza. They're also the only company in the country that can say that they have won best pizza in America twice at the International pizza championships so they make great food we love boombas and i know that you will too check out boombas pizza wherever you are find your nearest location get yourself down there and you can thank us later all right jt let's get to the losers and losers from the titans 27 to 3 loss to the browns um let's just start with overall perspective and jt if you can help me out by keeping an eye on the comments and uh, I, I would love to to talk with anybody that, that brings up a good point, but um, so stop me along the way. I, I just kind of want to give overall perspective on this game. It, it was it was a really bizarre sleepwalking performance to me. To me, um, and I I was tweeting about it during the game, but it was one of those outings where pretty early on you could just tell that the Titans as a team were not moving quickly. They weren't moving with a lot of purpose. They weren't playing with a lot of heart. They seemed just out of sorts across the board, and it was pretty much every player on the team. They couldn't get anything going on offense. The defense was uncharacteristically poor. It was just a strange outing. And from from that perspective, I guess you could say if you're if you're scratching and clawing for silver linings here, sometimes in the NFL, teams just have bizarre, terrible outings that you just can't explain. And it's just you have a bad day as a team or everything doesn't go your way. The ball does not bounce your way once in the game. And, you know, there's an element of bad luck that's combined with sluggishness. And maybe you're not mentally prepared for a game. Winning in the NFL is very difficult. And so sometimes that's the case. Now, whether that's what happened with the Titans today or not, only time will tell. But it was a very strange game for them. Um, and, and it's an interesting juxtaposition to their other loss of the season in week one. We came on this show after the week one loss to the Saints. And I was not particularly concerned by that game. I didn't find that game all that upsetting from a long-term future team success standpoint. Because in that game, Tannehill had an outlier horrendous performance, right? And the rest of the team showed a lot of good things. There were things you could point to and be like, you know, if Tannehill just didn't have an all-time horrible performance today, they would have won this game and we would have been saying a lot of good things about the way that this team performed in their in their season opener. 
this week, three losses significantly more alarming to me. And it's it's more alarming because it just nothing worked anywhere. Nothing, nothing was it was an all all systems failure by this team where Tannehill was not really the issue today. And we'll get into that. I, I a lot of people and naturally people want to blame the most important player on the field when things are not going well. And, and Ryan Tannehill is an easy target for a lot of Titans fans. And they were taking aim on social media all day. I just did not come away from this game thinking Tannehill was anywhere near the top of the list of issues for this team. He didn't turn the ball over. He only had one, maybe two passes that I can think of where he just truly missed. It was just a bad ball. And of course, you know, how he's seeing the field, I can't really answer that until we, I get to watch the all 22 coaching tape later in the week. Um, but it, I, it didn't read to me that like, he just wasn't seeing things. Well, he, he was hardly given a chance most of the time. And, and I don't, I don't think that the, the quarterback position on this team, no matter who that person was today, I don't think that the situation the Titans were putting their quarterback in was conducive to success, whether it's Ryan Tannehill, whether it's Malik Willis or Will Levis, whether it's somebody completely different. I, I just don't see he could have been better. Yeah, like he could have been a, more of an elevator for this team. But what have we said time and time again? Ryan Tannehill is not he's he's a he's a trailer. He's a good trailer in the NFL. He's not a tractor quarterback. He's not going to pull the team. You've got to put the team around him to pull him, and he can do a lot of really great things for you. That is the nature of the limitations on his game. And so um, just a, a strange and alarming performance for them in a week three loss that in the first half, because the second half, it, it felt like they were pretty much out of it already after that first half, especially after the, the Browns get their second touchdown of the day, get to 20 to three. Um, that just I mean, that 17 points might, as well have been a hundred points based on the way the Titans offense was, was playing that felt like an unbridgeable gap for them. And um, obviously that proved to be the case, but in that first half, it, this game was defined by a lot of wasted opportunities by this team. You know, you, you have the, the Sean Murphy bunting fumble forced fumble recovery um, on the Cleveland 19 yard line. And then just like the Titans, first drive of the season in new Orleans where um, Amani hooker forces the fumble on the return and the Titans are already in field goal range and then get a field goal, but it's because they went three and out and had negative yardage. That's what they did here. They were on the Cleveland 19 after that forced fumble by Sean Murphy bunting negative nine yards on three plays and then a field goal. And the only points of the game for them, big wasted opportunity in the red zone um, th that actually I've been just now realizing that first play from scrimmage that first down there from the Cleveland 19 was officially the first play from scrimmage inside the Cleveland red zone by any team this season. So congratulations. The Titans did accomplish that today. It's about the highest praise that you can give them. There's and, a winner. And, and even then you got one play from the red zone because they immediately backed you out of the red zone and you had to kick from outside of the red zone. Um, I also had written down, you know, the, the offensive drive at the end of the game or at the end of the half rather is the obvious one, right? You get down to the 11 yard line after a couple of really nice downfield uh, th throws and catches to DeAndre Hopkins and to Chris Moore. And then the one thing you can't do there, the one thing you can't do, and there's very few things in football viewing that are more infuriating than when this happens. You know, when, when you realize that you're in a time crunch like this, you're, you're in the red zone, you're trying to get seven, but you have to at least get three. Okay. You just all you, you, 
can get tackled in bounds depending on your timeout situation, but you cannot take a sack. It's just, it's the number one thing you cannot do. Anything but that has to happen. And then the Titans allow a sack there um, and, and get no points at the end of the half. They had a perfect opportunity to get some momentum offensively going into the second half. I believe it was thir- 13 to three. So it would have been 13 to six. They would have been within one score and they just blow it. Andre Dillard, who we'll talk more about in a minute, gets gets blown by around the edge. Uh, Miles Garrett gets one of his three and a half sacks today, crushes Ryan Tannehill, and the Titans go into halftime without capitalizing on their only, really their only decent offensive drive of the day. The other opportunity is is the one where Deshaun Watson throws the ball backwards and has a 16-yard loss on that first down. And so you get into second and 26, and the Titans' defense is in a really advantageous situation, looking to be a three and out. And then you get another, like last week, where you had a um, a defensive penalty behind the line of scrimmage and one downfield. You, you had another one of those today on that second and 26. Um, was who, who I forget who it was. Somebody hits hits Deshaun Watson high um, and, and gets a, a, a unnecessary roughness penalty. And then I think I think it was Nico Autry. And then downfield, Christian Fulton gets called for the uh, the uh, pass interference, and it's an automatic first down. Second and twenty six, completely squandered. I think I think the Browns went on to score on that drive as well. So a, a bunch of missed and blown opportunities to define this game in the first half. The second half defined by the fact that the Titans were just in, in too big of a hole and and could not get any momentum going. So. A strange game, a bad game, and and let's. Uh, I want to move on now. We can talk about the offensive particulars here. But JT, what are some of the comments we have that we want to address? Yeah, we can start with, as you said, the offense. Um, we'll get into those, but just kind of wrapping up, just kind of the whole um, game as a whole. Joey Turner says the Browns gave the Titans plenty of chances in the first half. They did, and they came away with three points, which I think definitely kind of just summarizes the entire game for them. A lot of missed opportunities on the field uh, today. And then we get into a lot more of what you're saying with the offense Uh, from Jordan Lowry here, who said Chig had a, having a sophomore slump year sort of, and then Trayvon Wesco being worse than Jeffrey Swaim, especially um, with his pretty poor performance today. Um, I don't know sure if Wesco being I, worse than Swain yeah. is fair, um, but I, it, it, has he proven to be a dramatic upgrade so far? I don't think that's the case. In the first, and again, he's his role is one that I really I'm going to withhold judging too harshly before I get to watch the tape back. Um, but I thought that he was getting he he did a better job in, in the first two games. People were giving him credit for. He's also his job this team is is giving him a really difficult situation to begin with having to chip constantly and help some pretty bad tackle play as well as just the the complexity of the different roles and assignments he's given when you watch the tape like he's having to move run and do a lot of different things juggle a lot of different things so um I, i'm not i'm not really shocked by his his level of play so far yeah, and then Joey Turner also just has a more Titans take as a whole here, saying um, this team has a very bad stink on it. Three mm. weeks where you can hardly see any positives. It certainly feels like week one and three are the truth, and week two was luck. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always difficult w- without more, again, a three-game sample size. We're starting to get 
some, you know, we're starting to, to rack up enough games, enough snaps of evidence where you feel like you can start to know a team. But, you know, the Titans last year were one and two to start the year and had um, in, 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 the, in that three game sample size had one absolutely brutal, horrendous loss to the Bills in week two, um, even worse than this one. And then they went on to be seven and three. So like, you know, a month from now, two months from now, we, we may look at this team completely differently than we, than we do today. I can't disagree though, that right now it's hard to, it's hard to think that this team has a very high ceiling. I will again, and this is, I I'm naturally an optimist and I'm not saying this is what I believe, but if you're looking for the optimistic spin, here's, here's what it is, right? We said before the the season began that people need to, I, I said that people need to be patient with this offense because of how much had changed, right? The three big elements of this offense, new offensive coordinator, practically two thirds of the offense, brand new personnel and a brand new offensive system. Those three things were always going to take some time to work. Will it ever work? I, I don't know right now. It doesn't look like it's going to trend positively anytime soon, but, you know, again, that, that Tampa Bay team that won the Super Bowl in a, a couple of seasons ago with Tom Brady, they were seven and seven by week 14 and their offense looked pretty anemic at times for the first two and a half months of the season. They, they you know, they take a long time to figure it out and then they figure it out. And once it clicked, it clicked and things were off off to the races. Again, I'm not saying that's what is going to happen with this Titans team. But I am saying when you have so much change offensively, it takes a minute to to figure it out, to get your footing, to get your sea legs. And so I think that's something that is, is worth um, remembering as we watch this Titans team struggle to, to get anything going. And as you say that, it is such a brand new personnel on basically this entire Titans offense, specifically the offensive line. And we can move on to that now, just talking about the offensive line here uh, with comments by Kenneth, who said, I don't say this joking. I'm truly scared Vrabel will stick with Dillard as left tackle instead of trying Raidens at left tackle. He considers currently Andre uh, Dillard as Dennis Daly 2.0. Dennis Dillard. Yeah, Kenneth, you should be scared because I, I that's what I expect him. I don't expect him to move. I mean, maybe by the end of the season, you have moved on to another guy at left tackle. But I, you know, there's nothing in the track record with this Titans team with Mike Rebel's personnel management to indicate that he's going to make a swift move away from Dennis Daly or <laughs> away from Andre Dillard, Freudian slip there um, anytime soon. It's also, I, I think it's pretty easy for them if they're looking for reasons to excuse it a little bit. You know, a game like today, you say, okay, well, he's going up against Miles Garrett, one of, if not the best edge players in the league. Of course, he had a bad day. Everyone has a bad day against Miles Garrett. He's he's one of the best players in the entire league. That's what happens. Now, then you say, okay, what about week one and two? Because it was the same, like it was a lot of the same. Um and that, but that's the kind of thing where they're going to be able to excuse this internally and, and be patient and maybe they're right to be patient, but I don't, I don't see any indicator. Like if that's the case, it's going to miraculously change because he wasn't great in camp and he hasn't been great to start the season. Um, before we move fully on to the offensive line, I do want to talk about um, just some general things on this Titans offense today. It was officially the worst performance as measured by total offensive yards by this Titans team since the, this. And this is pretty crazy to me because there were some brutal dark age years there in the 
in the early 2010s where their their offense was a bunch of nothing. But um, this was the worst outing for them in total offense since they left Houston for Nashville in 1997. They had just 94 yards of total offense in this game. And the Titans, of course, have now lost nine of their last 10 games. Um, they almost had more penalty yards today, JT, than total offense. They had 80 total yards of penalties, 94 total yards of offense. Hilariously bad. Um, just to compare to their opponent, the Titans had 94 total yards of offense. The Browns had 341 yards of total offense. They also got, this is uncharacteristic for the Titans, but it was certainly the case today. They got bludgeoned in time of possession. They did not do a good job of possessing the ball and keeping their offense on the field and giving their defense a break. Tennessee's offense only operated for 21 minutes and 31 seconds. The Browns were on the field 38 minutes and 29 seconds of the game. Uh, you know, two thirds of the game, the Titans defense is out there trying to um, defend this Browns unit. And so another shred of silver lining I have written down here in my notes. Again, I, I'm not saying this is something that you should really cling to, but again, two months from now, this may be the context that's like, okay, well, that, that's why. According to True Media, the Browns' defensive success rate through three games this season is 78%. It's the best mark for any team in weeks one through three since at least the year 2000. Like Jim Schwartz, their new defensive coordinator, former Tennessee Titan um, defensive personnel I forget his official title, defensive coach. Um, he just, he can't miss. He he has got this group rolling. They are very talented up front and on the back end. It, it, it appears the Browns defense really has the goods right now. And we questioned before this game, you know, maybe their defense was being inflated by facing two bad offenses. You could easily make the counter argument here that okay, the, their defense is still being propped up by having played now three bad offenses. And, you know, the Titans 94 yards of total offense is going to it's going to you know, it's kind of a chicken or the egg thing. Does this Browns defense actually rock or does this Titans offense as well as their other two opponents offenses just stink and it's making them look good? I, I'm guessing there's probably some truth to to both sides of that coin. It's probably both things are, are true. And I think that this Browns defense is really, really good. It, it may ultimately be the best defense this Titans team plays all year long. Um I don't know if any do any of our commenters have anything to say about Ryan Tannehill because I just I don't I, I people are online were not happy with me when I said that this game was not this this beating was not a result of Ryan Tannehill's level of play. An important distinction here: just because it's not his fault does not mean he doesn't shoulder some blame. Like he could have and should have played better in this game. He he did not have a great outing, especially in terms of pocket management. His, his lack of, I mean, the dude just, he cannot move, navigate the pocket well at all anymore. He, he age wise, like that element of his game has disappeared completely. And he shows his age in that way. He's a bit of a statue back there right now. And his pocket management is really poor at times. And so he's not lending himself to this offensive line. That's already struggling. You know, he's not, he's not helping out in any way um, on that front. Go ahead. Yeah, um, I was going to say, like, that's a lot of what the comments here. Kenneth says that um, he compares his athleticism to dip uh, to what Matt Ryan was in 2022, which I don't think is all the way at the level of Matt Ryan. Here's the thing. When he when he's intentionally moving, like when he when Tannehill takes off and runs like on the, the triple option touchdown last week, 
he can still run well. He athletic for a minute from a when he is operating on the field as an athlete, as a as a ball carrier, he still has some athleticism. But it's in his pocket management, his movement within the pocket where he looks so old. And those kind it's kind of a weird square to circle there. But that 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 seems to be the case. It's like there are two modes for him athletically, and in one he still has a little juice when he's trying to actually run with the ball. But but when he's just being trying to be an athletic passer and navigate the pocket, he looks ancient. Yeah, and then we also have um, I, I believe it's O Oak Vonte here saying okay. that uh, Tannehill doesn't galvanize this team with his play or his spirit. He lacks of passion. Belief is starting to permeate this locker room. I mean, I, I can't. I don't know if I can agree with that. Um, I mean, I'm not saying. I mean, you're welcome to your opinion. Maybe that's the case, but that's not been my experience. I, I do understand how fans struggle with how at the podium he is very like political, you know, company man doesn't really show a ton of emotion. Often. I understand that wanting to see some more, like wanting to see a guy as pissed off as you are after a performance like this. I get it. Really. I do. Um, and then I, finally Jordan here, sorry, were you done with what well, no, I, yeah, I, I was just going to say like, I, I just because he's that way publicly in press conferences does not mean that's the way that, I see him operating and interacting with his teammates in the locker room and on the field at practice. Yeah. And then Jordan um, just kind of with the Ryan Tannehill can't move narrative that we are currently talking about. um, He says, Ryan can't move. There was not anything he could do, but when he had an opportunity to complete a pass to Burks, he missed. And that's, that's his biggest, that's his biggest, you know, mistake today. That's, that's the thing you can knock him for most was that one pass he needed he needed to he he threw it on the run. He needed to plant himself better to get a, a better throw off, I felt like in the moment watching it. And he just misses Burks. But again, like that 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 missed pass and catch was not the reason the Titans lost today. Not even close. Yeah, and that, that's all we got on Tannehill at least. Uh, okay, right so now. let me move on to the the offensive line a little bit more and just some numbers. They they've allowed as a group 13 sacks in three games, which is a 74 sack pace year long and as badly as you thought this Titans defense or uh, offensive line performed last year this I'm not saying that they will allow 74 sacks this year that seems unlikely but last year they had 49 on the season and that was a disaster class all year long we were constantly talking about how the offensive line was single-handedly causing them to to you know lack any offensive viability in a lot of games if this keeps up it's going to be that but worse this season. And so it's going to be one of those things that's truly a failure to launch. It does not matter how well your quarterback or your wide receiver or your tight ends or your running backs are playing. If the offensive line is playing this poorly and protecting your quarterback this poorly, miles Garrett had three and a half sacks in this game, which is the second most for him in a game in his career. He had four and a half in 2021 week three against the bears. Um, but and a game in which you add a miles Garrett accolade to his Record book is obviously not a good thing. And the player, the offensive line is hard to talk about on a Sunday night, right? Watching the game film, like I, I will talk more about it later in the week, I'm sure after we've had a chance to break down some of the, the footage. But what it was obvious, and I'm, I'm sure you don't need to have seen the, you know, watched the all, all 22 tape to understand was that Andre Dillard is an issue. We talked a little bit about him earlier in the episode. I want to just talk a little bit more about what the Titans options are with him. And by the way, I don't know. Did you see his post game presser JT 
in which he, you know, is being very honest and candid about the conversation that he had with Miles Garrett after the game. I'm of split mind on this because a lot of people were clowning him in that video, responses to that video, retweets of that video. You know, just like you, you, you can't say this. Like I would take this to my grave with me. Like you, sure, Miles Garrett, you know, just daddied you all day long, dog walked you for 60 minutes and then was kind of a stand up guy enough to come and talk to you after the game and, and tell you, like give you some insight on, on, you know, how he beat you basically. That's, that's fine and good. And I'm sure that that is something that Dillard truly did appreciate, but you know, you can't, you can't say that out loud. You can't, it's not a good look. I get that standpoint uh, from a lot of fans, but I also think that it's it's silly to me when fans, you know, for example, like with Ryan Tannehill, it's like, you know, fans want to see more, you know, fire in his gut uh, when they lose a game like this and want to see him emotional and honest at the podium and not give the coach speak, quarterback speak, you know, PC vanilla answer. But then a guy like Dillard gives you a moment of candid honesty in the locker room and you clown him for like, what do you do? You do you want players to open themselves up to you more? Or do you not? Um, I, I think ultimately you should, you know, be more care. Like, if you if you want more honesty and more openness from players, and not just the the ho hum generic answers all the time, then don't be you know so mean when they when they do open up to you. Um, you know, like Ryan Tan. I'm watching losing my headphones here. Uh, Ryan Tannehill a couple seasons ago has that horrendous game against the Bengals in the playoffs comes back that summer and talks very candidly at a press conference about how, you know, he dealt with a lot of serious mental issues and like sought out counseling and stuff from that performance. And fans were relentless. They were, they were relentlessly cruel. And you can kind of date back to that. Like he had that press conference and since then he's been very generic and, and not detailed or, you know, candid in his press conference. Like he's been very political since then. So, you're forcing these players into doing that kind of thing when you're going to like, why, why would they open themselves up to you if you're just going to rail, rail them for it? Um, so like, I get it. I get why you're, you're wanting to poke fun at, at Dillard, but do you want him to be honest or not? Um, that being said, what are the Titans options with, with, with Dillard? Um, I've already talked with Kenneth, Kenneth about how he, you know, he's right to be concerned that this team is not going to move on from Dillard anytime soon. I don't think they I don't think that they will. Maybe they'll surprise us and make a proactive move. But if and when they do get around to having to move move from him, and I can certainly say that at the very, very, very latest, we can we can pencil in Andre Dillard as um top of the list of of guys that will we'll see the notification come across our screens next spring. The Titans have released um or parted ways with left tackle Andre Dillard voiding his contract and saving seven million dollars against the cap. Um, by not by not keeping him for a second year of his deal. If that's the latest that that this happens, I don't think it's unreasonable to to think things are so bad by the end of the season that the Titans are, or you know, by the middle part of the season, that the Titans are starting to look for other options. We look to last year as an example with Dennis Daly. They take for I think it was until what week 15, 14 in, in L.A. against the Chargers when they move on or not move on from, but but give um Dylan Raiden's a chance in there at left tackle and looks good until he tears his ACL promptly, which was like an of course moment. But if it took that long with Dennis Daly, what are you expecting them to do with Andre Dillard, who they 
when I, it, with Daly, they were kind of forced into a situation with him. You know, you, 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 you have Taylor one go down in week two, you trade for him. It, it, he's the top of the, the bottom of the barrel, the slim pickings at that point, And you kind of have to roll with it with Dillard. They went out and handpicked this guy early on in the offseason process. Like they, they're not going to admit defeat on him so soon. So all of that um, parsing the situation and, and not getting your hopes up for them moving on from him when, and if they do the two clear options they have to consider are Dylan Radens, who they did this with last year, eventually. And Peter Skaronsky. Now, uh, with Skaronsky, I, I do want to point out, like, he is by far their best offensive lineman, in my opinion. I think that he showed you that in week one. You do, there's a tiny, itty bitty little, maybe insignificant asterisk on this offensive line performance through three weeks, where it's like they're playing really bad right now, but they're also missing, missing their best player. Now, does missing your best player who happens to be a left guard, like, is that, you know, is that the end all be all? No, definitely not. But you are missing your best player, and it's making it more difficult, you know, for a, a, a guy like him on the left side, partnered up with Andre Dillard there on the left. I would imagine Dillard is in a better situation with a running mate in Skaronsky, as well as we've we've liked how well Raidens has played. Like if Skaronsky can be left on an island always, and Dillard doesn't ever have to to help out on the inside with him, you know, he's probably got more trust in him to interpret and handle. Um, the games that are run, the stunts that are run by by the defense, like I think that he's more comfortable with Skaronsky, who he's spent all offseason getting accustomed to playing with. And so the communication is probably better. The comfortability level is probably better. But having him gone for two, like they need him back. It, it's pretty clear that they need him back, in my opinion. When they do get him back, JT, I would consider trying him on the left. Uh, I, I, he's already on the left. On the left tackle. Um, position. I, we, we were, I, I was, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but I believe you were with me throughout the draft process before he was ever a Tennessee Titan on the, the notion that, Hey, Peter Skaronsky should be given a chance to play outside at the NFL level. Yeah. He's got really, really, really short arms for an NFL tackle, but it, you watch the tape in college and the dude has the goods. He had the juice. He was able to man it. Like, it wasn't a it wasn't an issue for him in college. He was the best left tackle in the game. So why not just give him a shot at the NFL level? Maybe that proves to be his downfall, but maybe he's an outlier. You, you know, there's there's always an exception that breaks the rule. Um, and so that's what I would do. I'm not a huge fan of Radens getting out there at the left tackle position. I think that he's much more of a true guard type in the NFL. He also lacks a little bit of length, not quite like Skaronsky does. Um, but they both are below league average, below that 34-inch arm length threshold for tackles typically. Um, but he's just his play strength, his play style. He's he's never going to be that really – he's just not uh, – he's a strong man, obviously. But he, he's not very strong as far as NFL linemen go. And you can tell by the way that he plays um, on, on the tape. And and I don't think that moving him outside is going to be a good idea given his play strength. I think Skaronsky plays with much more um, – strength in his core and his arms his his base is better like i just think that he's a better fundamentally a, a better player that you give a chance out there um what what say you jt is anybody in the comments chimed in on this what do we think about what the titans might should do at left tackle um i i not a lot of comments i think a lot of people are on of the same sentiment that giving skaronsky a, a shot outside is probably a good idea 
Um, and then moving like a Dylan Radins to left guard and keeping just keep Radins at guard. Yeah, he's he's playing fine there right now. Um, just rock and roll with that. I I do just have questions because of just like you said earlier, it took this team a very very long time to move off Dennis Daly, mostly in part because they still believe that they could compete last year despite how bad the left tackle was. And I think that if Mike Vrabel and this brass believes that they can still compete, like when Peter Skronsky comes back and they would be fine with it, they're not going to change because until the season is truly lost, then you're not going to experiment until then. If you're Mike Vrabel, right? There's no reason Mm -hmm. for Mike Vrabel, even if it does get better in the short term here, like that's just not something I think Mike Vrabel would ever do is experiment in the middle of a season, in the middle of a week before a game. Like it, it would be something that, it, it would take like the benching of Tannehill to bring Malik. Or I was about Will to say the, as a the fastest route to trying something new at left tackle would probably be them being one and six by week eight or whatever. And it's like, okay, well they're now they're, you know, they're, they're talking It's Will Levis time. Let's see what he's got. Malik Willis. Let's get him. Like, you know, that it's true. Pack it in time for the Titans would be the, the quickest route to having those guys out there. And I agree with you. Um, we're just, I, I, it's it's very easy to see. We are one, maybe two weeks away from Peter Skaronsky com- coming back and Titans fans being confronted with this awkward situation. And the, the Titans brass, for that matter, being confronted with this awkward situation where Skaronsky is back. Raidens, who filled in for two weeks and looked good in doing so, comes out. And suddenly, you're like, the five offensive linemen that you're rocking with now aren't your five best guys. Raidens is, I think, pretty clearly better than Dillard. It's an issue. It's just an issue of supply and demand based on positions. And so if you truly, if the Titans are truly hard lines, Karonsky and Raidens are interior offensive linemen. It's it's a shame that we have a, a surplus of, of serviceable interior offensive linemen, but they can't just magically be tackles. Then that's going to be the way that it is, and they're not going to play that way. But they, we're going to be confronted with this awkward situation where the five guys they're walking out there clearly and obviously not the five best offensive linemen on this team, which probably then becomes even further complicated when, you know, you you've had Chris Hubbard playing relatively well through three weeks now, and you've got MPF coming back after week six. And now you've got, okay, now you've got to maybe your top five guys out there are, you know, are two of the top five guys on the team not out there starting. What's, what's going on? Like, what are we doing? What's going on? Um, maybe NPF presents an opportunity. Uh, this is just coming to, to my mind and I, I've not gone and looked at, and NPF, I don't believe in college he ever played on the left side. And with Chris Hubbard, I have no idea if he has any left tackle experience. I don't believe so. But if you get NPF back and you believe that NPF and Chris Hubbard are actually your two best tackles, maybe that is the best case scenario for them moving on from Dillard or, or you know, giving somebody else a chance on the left side. You move one of NPF or or uh, uh, Hubbard out there to the left side and see if those guys can be your bookends. Um I don't know. I'd have to look into whether or not they have any experience there on the left side, but that's something that I think if you're still having this level of play from Andre Dillard by week uh, eight, when, when NPF can come back after the bye, you're, you're going to have that conversation. There's going to be the rumblings. Of, now we've got two tackles available that are both better than Andre Dillard. Let's get them in there. Get that guy out of here. Um, it's certainly something to consider. And we can move on now from the offensive line conversation because um, we do have other things to talk about on this team. And the one last thing, actually two more things I want to talk about on the offense briefly, and then we'll get to the defense. This Titans run game is one element of this 
this offensive operation in particular that has me concerned through three weeks. And primarily that's because this has been this team's bread and butter for as long as Derrick Henry has risen to ascendancy at least. And really before, you know, kind of just the entire history of the Titans, they have been a pounding the rock running team. They've not been that this year, not even close. I believe through three games, Derrick Henry is averaging like 14 carries and 52 yards or something, a game, something rather poor today. I know at least in the first half, he was getting out snapped pretty dramatically by Ty J Spears. I don't know what the final snap counts on that came to. I'd imagine it was relatively 50, 50 at, at best for Henry. I don't think he was on the field for very much. Um, but he, in the first half, he had his worst half of football statistically of his entire career. JT four carries negative seven yards for Derrick Henry. This Titans run game has been really poor so far this season. I, it, 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 it does very little push up front, far too many defenders breaking into the backfield. These runners for the most part, aren't even be, being given a chance. So when I say that the running game has been really poor, I'm really not blaming Spears or Henry because when they've been given some daylight, given any breathing room to operate, they've looked good. You know, in that first game, Derrick Henry looked good. We were we were surprised by how he wasn't, you know, taking a really slow start to things and was playing ahead of our perceived schedule for him. And since then, it's kind of been downhill. But, I, you know, I think back to Mike Vrabel almost a week ago on Monday in this pre- post-game press conference, jokingly talking about, you know, I promise we're going to block for Tajay Spears eventually. One of these days, we're going to block for him, and he's going to break off a 30, 40-yard run. I, I could tell in that comment, like, sarcastic for sure but there's clearly some frustration behind that remark he he i i can tell fundamentally he prides himself obviously on this team being a grinding dominant team in the run game and they've not been that and that's bothering him for sure but but my thought on on the state of their run game is is that it's not all that surprising to me because we knew this offseason, they, they kind of changed their philosophy, did a 180 from a offensive line building standpoint. They renovated this offensive line almost entirely with guys whose MO was being a better pass protector than the guys that they were replacing. You know, being stronger pass protectors statistically and historically in their careers than they were run blockers. And this idea that, okay, the Titans, they do a good job of teaching pass blocking here, or run blocking here in-house they're gonna they're gonna bring it they've decided we, we just for some reason we can't get these guys to pass block very well let's bring in the guys that are good pass blockers already we'll teach them how to run block we can we can teach them how to do that so far that's not been the case and so when you renovate your o-line with heavy pass protectors which is ironic because they've not been protecting the pass well either they've not been doing anything well um but th- that's at least what the idea was on paper this was always a possible side effect the run game took a, a little bit of a beating and so um i with this level of offensive line play, I don't care who you are, Derrick Henry, Tajay Spears, you can be the best offensive or best uh, running back in the league. You're not, you're not going to succeed with the level of disruption in the run game that this Titans team is already allowing uh, on the offensive front. Yeah. And just back to your point where you were thinking that the snap share for the, for the first half of Derrick Henry was more 50, 50. It was, not not even close, actually. Ty J Spears outsnapped uh, Derrick Henry in the first half, eighteen to seven. Oh no no! So I yeah I, I saw I knew that in the first half he was. I wasn't sure if by the end of the game it had leveled out. I don't. Oh, I, I got don't you. Think yeah. that it but did. It, it, but I don't think it did either. I think as the game got maybe more, got back to fifty fifty. But Henry did not get the lion's share of snaps. I don't think. No, which I think 
it's, it's very interesting because as some people pointed out here in the, in the chat, like it mostly in the run game, uh, chipping the elite pass rusher moving forward worked well on one drive of this game. And then, um, completely stopped because they kind of okay, moved Can we talk about that? that? Yeah, they, they, okay. That's sorry. That's what he's saying. Go ahead. They stopped. Why'd they stop? They did. They, they yeah. ran in. I mean, they, 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 this was my next point. You took the words right out of my mouth. Um, Bonte, like the coaching was lackluster in this game too. And the number one thing, like the number one example of that, that was what you were saying. That one good offensive drive, they get down the field and they very intentionally, every single play chip miles Garrett with a tight end or with a running back. And then they get into the red zone. They get down to the 11 yard line. They stop. And immediately the obvious, <laughs> the obvious guaranteed outcome there is miles Garrett gets home, runs right by the tackle and kills the drive, kills Tannehill, kills their chance of getting any points before half. What are, what are you doing knowing what you have to do, demonstrating that you know what you have to do, executing what you know you have to do, and then you get into the red zone where I I, I get, and I, I know our buddy James Foster was talking about this on, on Twitter, it is more difficult generally to chip in the red zone. Just the, the way that you have to utilize your personnel you know, the way that you deploy your personnel utilization of, of, of a chipper in the red zone becomes more difficult, but it's still really not an excuse. It's not just because it's more difficult doesn't mean you can't do it. You can do it. And they just refused to. And it was very strange why they, um, that's something that we're definitely going to ask them about this week. When we talked to Tim Kelly, going to ask him what the thinking was behind that, but it was strange and it was bad. Um, do we want to move on to the defense real quick before we get out of here? Yeah, let's move on to the defense here. Um, well, actually, real quick before, uh, Vontae also says, time to elevate Thomas Odekoya and just chip people. Uh, Should have been on the active the roster time. to begin with, in my opinion. Clearly, they disagreed with me, but like, I, yeah, do it. He's the, he's the strongest player on the team. Get him in there. Just His whole full-time job is to be a glorified left tackle. Make it happen. And then, yeah, we'll move on to the defense now where Jordan Lowry pointed out Fulton was absolutely horrible. And why do our defensive backs not look for the ball when in coverage? They play the eyes and it does not work. Yeah, the secondary is a serious issue. We, we, it was a loser in week one. It was a loser in week two. Shockingly, it was a loser in week three. And, you know, the Titans, we, we joked about it on Thursday. It kind of ended up being the case. The Titans fixed Deshaun Watson. So congratulations. Well done. <laughs> the rest of the league does not thank you for this. It was, I mean, it was, a, it was, there's no way to put it besides it was a get right game for Sean Watson. He played a team that historically he has performed really, really well against. And he had his best performance as a Brown. Like I'm, I'm not even, I haven't even gone back and looked statistically to compare it, but I'm almost positive. This is his best performance as a Brown. He, he was uh, at one, at one point in the game. And I'm wondering, I don't know if I wrote this down at the end of the game or near the end of the game. Um, but at one point, if not the total game, he was 19 of 24, 79%. JT, if you wouldn't mind, just go, just go check to see what his final um, passing numbers were. Do you have it pulled up? I do. I already have it pulled up here. Okay, so um, what what did he end up going percentage-wise uh, by the end he of the had, game? He was 27 of 33 um, for 289 yards um, with two touchdowns and uh, had an average uh, yards per target of uh, – or yards per attempt. Of okay. So actually even he finished better than I, he 27 or 33, you said, yes. Yes. He actually finished at 81 for 82% <laughs> on the day passing. Uh, he had a Ryan Tannehill week two esque efficiency performance from a passing standpoint. He was very, very good in this game. And he, his job was made relatively easy in this game by guys like Christian Fulton. 
I'm I'm struggling to wrap my head and it's it's like I should have gone with my gut when we did the hot read uh per take purge episode where I said like after a really really promising camp changing Titans fans hearts and minds to start to love him again Christian Fulton's going to have another disappointing bad season in his in his uh contract year and I said it half as a joke at the time I should have said it uh, zero percent is a joke i should have just said it with my chest because it's so far been the case i i I don't understand in all seriousness how i watched this guy day in and day out consistently for five weeks in training camp dominate and now through two games for him having missed one with an injury maybe today is proven to be like in week one I, i i just simply don't know he got cooked too often in week one in week three today Maybe coming back from that, that hamstring's not 100%. Like, I don't know. That's the only excuse you could possibly make. And it sounds like a bad excuse, but that's the only thing you could possibly think of, right? To be like, oh, that, okay, this is why. Um, it just does not make a ton of sense to me. And and a lot of people in the comments, I tweeted that out. A lot of people in the comments were like, well, he's going against the Titans passing game. Like, of course he's dominated NWI. Like, guys, no, like, I'm, I'm, it, I didn't just see him dominate Colton Dowell and Chris Moore. He was dominating, you know, Traylon Burks and DeAndre Hopkins. Has DeAndre Hopkins looked like a bad receiver? He's been one of the only, I mean, if we had to make a winner's list, we, we at the top of the show, we should have included DeAndre Hopkins. He still looked good. He still looked like, I have no complaints with DeAndre Hopkins. He has been one of the brightest points on this Titans offense through three weeks. So the fact that Christian Fulton was hanging with him all camp long, and it was battles day in and day out with one of the best receivers in the league in DeAndre Hopkins. And now he's losing to guys that, he shouldn't be losing to getting cooked regularly. It's concerning. It's confusing. I don't, you know, maybe it's, it's just the case that he's a practice player and is not really a dog out there when it, when, you know, when the, uh, when the rubber meets the road is the word phrase that I was looking for there. Um, I, 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 I don't understand why that's the case necessarily because in his, in his rookie year, he had, it's kind of been downhill since then. Like he had flashes of really, really good, potentially elite cornerback play and it's been downhill since then. And, and so I, I don't even know if I can say he's the best corner on this team anymore. He's got the most potential as the best outside corner on this team, but has he been that is it in practice? Has he played that out? No, he hasn't. And so it's, it's just confusing. And, and, and because of this, I I'm ready. This is a very popular narrative that I've seen from a lot of Titans analysts and media that I'm, I'm wholeheartedly endorsing. As much as we've talked about how great this Titans run defense is through three weeks and for the past really 17 games, and they have been great and they are they are owed their due. It's time to quit talking about it. It, it doesn't matter if you have an awesome run defense. That is sick. But if you suck over the top in 2023 in the modern NFL, where we love to pass the ball, people that pass the ball well typically are the winners. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how good you are stopping the run. Teams don't care. They're happy to just throw the ball on you if you're going to let them. And so a lot of these performances where they've had really great rushing numbers in terms of efficiency stopping the run, they've looked really good, but it's you're, you're omitting the other half of the, the box score. And if you look at the other half, you realize, well, maybe the other team didn't really try to establish the run and get the ball rolling on the ground because they didn't need to. Because the more efficient way of moving the ball on the field, passing, was working so well they said, why would we care to run the ball? We'll run here and there just to keep you a little bit more honest, but we're going to pass all over you today and it's going to work and we're going to beat you that way. 
That's what's happening with this team right now. So it's time to quit talking about the run defense being so fantastic. It is great, cool. It does not matter if your secondary is going to be as porous as the Titan secondary has been. Yeah, I mean, I would I would agree with you. I mean, <clears throat> just like the the icing on the cake was that um, deep pass to Amari Cooper, which basically kind of looked like the entire secondary just gave up. You mean on, the on, the blown on, the blown one where he runs right by the defenders for the for the touchdown? Yeah, not yeah. the one the where last, the, the not touchdown. one not not the one where the refs didn't have eyes or just like. Well, yeah, and they, he got screwed there. Yes. Um, out but of balance, yeah, that last that last one where it's just like where where he clearly just ran by everyone, but no one cared. <laughs> like it, it just <laughs> I, kind I, of like I can't wait to ask them about that because that clearly it, which, was a miscommunication of some um, sort. It just kind of summed up the day, and I think it sums up just this week for the Titans. Um, but they'll right. have a pretty big bounce back week as they are on to Cincinnati. They, it, they it are is, on is, to Cincinnati. It is, it is Hot Read Podcast Rivalry Week, I it, guess. It is, so. it is. And uh, I don't know if you've seen the line. Tennessee, I don't know if Vegas knows. Tennessee, a one and a half point favorite on the early oh, line. For I, that already, game. I, already, I already took the plus one and a half for the Bengals. So, I mean, you know me. fair. Um, that, I mean, to me, that clearly indicates Vegas is anticipating Joe Burrow not playing. If he if he was playing, I'd imagine that it, they'd you know be a pick them at worst. Maybe they're maybe Vegas is just that out on this Bengals offense and it, actually defense, just this Bengals team. I don't think that they are. I think that they're probably out on who who, who is the backup up there? Who's Jake Browning? And they, they, Brown, oh, and they just they, signed Jake one. Browning and they signed uh, Bengals legend AJ McCarron. AJ McCarron. Yeah, Alabama, um, uh, Crimson Tide legend to start. But yeah, yeah. Um, All right. With that, we can move on to some Titans news with producer JT before we get out of here. So without further ado, JT, let's get into the news. Yeah, just one more note here on the Tennessee Titans that having to do with Sean Murphy Bunting, um, who did uh, leave the game today because of a concussion. So he is now in protocol, which Um, sucks because he was really the only member of the secondary through three weeks who had in each game moments of really impressive play. He'd been balling a little bit out there. I was impressed, especially in week two. And at times today, like he, he was kind of up and down today, but there were some drives You know, he gets the forced fumble. He really sticky in man coverage, had some really nice reps for him to go down and, you know, miss at least one game. Now, if he's in concussion protocol sucks for this Titan secondary, that is already bleeding badly. Yeah. And then moving on to the rest of the AFC South and how they perform today, the Houston Texans, uh, whooped the Jacksonville Jaguars 37 to seven as we all predicted of course yes, yes. exactly right um, but see one guy who is uh, exceeding expectations is CJ Stroud who has 121 looks pass good, attempts man. without an good. interception through the first three games it's the most pass attempts without an interception in a player's first three games in NFL history the previous record was held by Warren Moon with 103 total mm. pass attempts. So CJ Stroud taking care that? of the ball, uh, making Tank Dell uh, look like a making absolute... Us look dumb. Wa- Tank Dell it, absolutely it's, making it's us a, look stupid. It's a Good tough scene Tank out Dell, here. Man. Um, but he, that connection looks uh, for real. And yeah. so the Texans get a, uh, get a divisional win here. Uh, another team that got a divisional win, the Indianapolis Colts, who led by Gardner Minshew, defeat the Ravens 22 conf- conference, win. conference win, not a divisional win. Conference uh, win. Yes, yes. Um, a win nonetheless, and an impressive a win. Nonetheless. win. Two, two, I mean, the, the, what should be the dregs of the AFC South, the, Beng- or the uh, Bengals, the Colts and the Texans, currently uh, 
according to the rankings, they're number one and number two in, yes. in the uh, division. So good for them, I guess. Um, and, and to be honest, I, I was I was kind of quietly hoping that this was going to be the classic Indianapolis Colts tie game that we get almost every single season now, it feels like. But they are able to eke out a win on the uh, back of Zach Moss. He carried the Colts to victory today, literally had 30 carries for 122 yards, caught another two or three passes for 23 yards and a touchdown looked really good. Um, and, uh, looks to be serviceable before Jonathan Taylor comes back. So that Colts team also looking like they're ahead of expectations when Anthony Richardson comes back from a concussion. Yeah, no, I'm impressed with both of those teams, considering the rebuilding state that they're in Jaguars. I don't know what to tell you, man, like their offense is, I mean, like as bad as the Titans offense has looked, people were expecting the Titans offense to struggle this year. What's the Jaguars excuse? As as, as I jokingly said, to start the season, maybe this team is just a nice quarterback coach combo and a couple of shiny weapons. And then the rest of it kind of sucks. So he far, was, it's kind yeah, of been the case. I mean, I mean, Trevor Lawrence uh, completing 27 passes on 40 attempts with 279 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Trevor just to still put playing up well. 17 points uh, shows more about this Jaguars team than it does Trevor Lawrence. Um, yes. So I'm I'm with you there. And then one more, uh, just NFL news here: the Tennessee Volunteers legend Joshua Dobbs is and, playing. And former the, Titan legend, and How former Titan legend, more former Browns <laughs> legend, former Steelers legend. Okay, we can to say the laundry list. All goes on. the legends. Um, he is playing the Arizona Cardinals out of the Caleb Williams sweepstakes right now. He really he, is. He's the worst thing uh, to happen to the Arizona it, Cardinals. It is since um, they, what since they lost the Super Bowl. I'm trying to think of the last bad thing to happen to them since drafting. Um, oh Josh gosh. Rosen. Yeah. Josh Rosen. Like, is that, I, that, I would, I would consider that more than is. the yeah. Super Bowl, probably. Yeah. Um, but they defeat the Cowboys today, 28 to 16. Another game we all had, right? Yeah. yeah you exactly, had that one on your right? pick them and your pick them uh, tool this week. I did have it as a trap game. I did quietly put some uh, sprinkles, some plus. Well, you were talking about like this line's a trap, 12 and a half point favorite for the Cowboys. No way, Jose. It, hey, I did. I just, I just I wish, straight up money line, I wish, baby. I, I wish, <laughs> I wish I had the, uh, the, the cojones to actually put some money on it in the best bet gauntlet, but sadly I mean, did not. No, listen, that oh, oh, bet against the spread. Yes, sorry, yes. I, I thought you were saying to have the cojones to to have picked them on the money line, which oh, that's no. not cojones. That's that's crazy insanity. But yeah, sometimes insanity pays, I suppose. Either way, uh, Joshua Dobbs went 17 of 21 on the day for 189 yards. A touchdown. Oh, man, is He's dealing out there. And then he rushed six times for 55 yards. So it'll be interesting to see if he can continue to keep them rolling. And maybe, maybe no longer are they the absolute lock to get the first overall pick because there's a team from not Chicago that looks just as bad, if not worse. If, right say, if not worse, the Cardinals have managed to score all three weeks, like their offense has looked actually kind of promising at times. These players are playing, you know, for their careers and they're, you know, the coach down there, um, I'm totally blanking Jonathan Gannon, name. Jonathan Gannon. Thank you. People were making fun of him and rightfully so. Cause the dude is a cringe Lord. Those videos of him are tough, right? You know, but this guy has a fire in his gut. I don't want to tell you this dude takes the bus to work. He takes every day. the bus to he's work. He's got a man. fire in his belly. Uh, he he's, he's out here balling. And uh, they've been frisky in all three games. Like this team's gonna win some games this year, dude. And yeah. maybe, Jonathan Gannon maybe should get like a per- like a third party security team because you know Cardinals ownership may put out a hit on him for, <laughs> for ruining their very intentional tank. 
but good for good for Josh Dobbs, man. He, young man is out there dealing. He's an a- offensive weapon, a unit. Love to see it. He's really fun to watch genuinely right now. Honestly, he kind of is just taller Kyler Murray and it's working, you know, <laughs> I, I taller like Kyler the way Murray. the way he just like reads the pocket and then runs like at the same way that like Kyler Murray does. I'm like, I'm he's just watching athletic, a taller, man. I don't he, think anybody was ever like, oh, Josh Dobbs, like he's a dual threat. He He's right now. He's a dual threat quarterback. I'm impressed. He really is. And now we move on to the most important part of the episode, the recap of this week's best bet gauntlet. Mm. Um, currently right now uh, on the day, I am two and one uh, cashing both the bills minus five and a half, as well as oh, what was the other team? The, the team that I did not win on for sure, though, um, was the Broncos at plus six and a half who get <laughs> absolutely they only lost by 50 don't worry this is a pretty bad line uh either way i i cash on the bills minus five and a half and the patriots minus two and a half currently awaiting the uh steelers game which i had them as two and a half point dogs they're winning currently by 16 points so feel pretty good about that one pretty to take good. me to three and one on hey. the week easton however Going to be trying to fight on Monday night for a uh, five hundred above five hundred week. Right, I need as, I need Monday night to go my way. We'll be three and two each on the week. Yes, as um, as the Titans spread did not hit, the Falcons spread uh, also did not hit. Too but bad then reads. the That's on me. Um, but then on the Colts line as well as um, the what was the other line that you had? I forget. Um, I had it pulled up right here. I I won Colts. Uh, plus eight, and also had Seattle minus six and a half. Both Seattle minus six and a cover half. There, the two big wins and two big. I mean, I didn't sweat any of these four bets. They were all comfortable one way or the other. And then we're, you know, we're our first head-to-head of the year. Philadelphia and the Bucks tomorrow will be the deciding factor, uh, and see uh, whether this week is another JT win or if it's a draw and we move on to week four. Yeah, either way, we'll have to see, and that's going to finish up our news segment for today. All right, that is JT with the news, and that is our show today. Appreciate everybody tuning in with us live. We'll be back on Wednesday. I think we're going to do an interview Wednesday, JT, and the guest is TBD. Um, I've st- I, I still have to confirm whether or not we can make that happen. Um, but if not, we'll find something else to talk about. I would love to have a guest to talk some Titans on Wednesday, so tentatively planning on that. And then, of course, Thursday we'll be live once again at Boom Boz Craft Pizza and Tap House in Spring Hill, Tennessee. We'd love to have you out. We're probably going to be doing another gift card giveaway for the first person to show up and say hello and get some free food on us. So make sure to have that on your calendar, if not this week, at some point this year. Come on out if you're in the area. Come hang with us. Watch some Thursday Night Football at Boom Buzz. Until Tuesday afternoon, we tape live our Wednesday show. For producer JT, I'm your host, Easton Freeze. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. We'll talk to you then.